Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is back on this Tuesday. And we got Jenna X in the building, as always, guys. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Coinbase has been selected by a multi-trillion dollar asset manager as a surveillance partner for their Bitcoin ETF. While Gary Gensler is now under more scrutiny than ever, being called out by some of the largest players on Wall Street. FedNow's system is set to go live within the month as MoneyGram confirms usage for XLM on their on and off ramps, citing anticipated large migration to more efficient payment systems. XRP is being called the secret sauce for international payments, allowing all systems to communicate through one single ledger. And with over 130 countries ready to roll out CBDCs in 2024, we break down the details, showing our community how governments around the world are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, I'm going to you first today because it's July 4th and I just want to say happy 4th of July, everyone. Thank you for being here and making time for us. Gonzo, I believe you are a veteran. I don't know if I'm supposed to share that, but shout out to you, my friend. Thank you for your service. How are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. Thanks, Abs. I appreciate that. Um, Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Happy 4th of July. Just super excited to be here. I've missed you guys. You know, I'm finally in that rotation where I'm going to be around a lot more. So shout out to Shelly. She's out there working out. I can see her in the chat. But yeah, man, it's going to be a a great show and just looking forward to the next three months, bro, while while I get to spend some more time with you guys. Definitely missed you guys. Definitely went down the rabbit hole, bro. Like definitely like been researching like what is money and, you know, how money actually works. And I suggest that all of you kind of go down that journey because it really leads you back to like crypto, right? Whether that's Bitcoin, Ethereum, other cryptocurrencies, XRP, XLM, whatever that is. Once you go down the rabbit hole of what is money and how it works, it ultimately leads you back down to cryptocurrencies, regardless of what blockchain it is, dude. So definitely go down that rabbit hole. And it's, it's worth your time, guys, as the financial shifting system is shifting before our eyes. Stellar and XRP are becoming more important by the day. And Johnny, we got a brand new article to show our listeners from MoneyGram showing how XLM is being used as the on and off ramps for their platform. But before we discuss that, how you feeling, my friend? Nice lake house. What's on your mind? Abs, I'm doing great. Happy 4th of July to everybody. It's always an honor, Abs, when I get to spend my vacation on the back on your back deck. So thank you for letting me use your porch. I really appreciate Don't it. Don't forget, rent's uh, due on Friday. I know, yes. I'll, I'll put that in the mail. I promise to put that check in the mail there. But I do want to say, uh, you know, that's right. Yeah, Love Stocks, thank you very much. This team never takes a break. We're always here for you guys. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Great to see Jenna as well. And happy 4th of July to all the veterans and everybody out there who fought for this country. We love you and we appreciate you. Jenna, we still say best for last this morning. And how can we take a day off with all of the exciting news happening? Gary Gensler is being called out by some of the largest players on Wall Street because BlackRock and Coinbase just inked a new deal. But before we talk about that, Jenna, thanks for making time for us. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling amazing. Call that dirty little weasel out. But happy 4th of July, everybody. Always an awesome time to be here with Johnny, Gonzo, and yourself, Abs. And good morning to the Warriors out there, guys. We have some awesome topics. Super excited to hit all those. 
and be here with you guys on this fine Tuesday. Let's do it. Let's do it. And with that being said, guys, we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by showing you my Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We're getting updates throughout the day. When you look at the Bitcoin fear and greed index, we are in greed this morning, Johnny Crypto, sitting at a 64. But when we look at the daily movers, it's pretty much split across the flow, across the board. We got flow down about 12%. We got maker token up about 10%. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at $1.22 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 20%. We've got Bitcoin sitting above $31,000 at $31,010. Ethereum just below two grand. XRP is $0.48. Cents and Cardano is sitting at $0.29 cents this morning. And guys, the financial system is undoubtedly shifting before our eyes, but our community is lucky enough that we have the awareness and we can take advantage. So I want to get this show started with a very important video. Here we go when Americans catch on. That's why the average person won't hear a word about the story until it's obvious to just about everyone. And by then, it's going to be too late. Yep. In the months ahead, central banks around the world are planning to go digital. Many of the legacy banks you've heard of, where you probably even keep your money, like Bank of America, Chase, City, Wells Fargo, they're about to be reset, overhauled by a new type of technology called fintech, which is short for financial technology. Yeah, can I ask you, what exactly does that mean for the banks and, and all of us, you and me? Essentially, it means the function of our banks is about to change. They probably won't raise public suspicion about it by changing the signs on your bank's branches. But mm. according to my sources, the Federal Reserve will soon own all the banks. And your local branch, it's simply going to be like a licensee of the Fed. Guys, that's what Coach JV has been talking about for months. When he references a bail-in, that's when companies or private institutions like the Federal Reserve say, okay, banks, you acted incorrectly, but we're going to save your butt as long as we get to make the decisions behind the scenes. There's a lot we can get into here, but Gonzo, I do want to start with you. Why don't you just break it down a little bit? XLM is becoming key for tokenization. XRP is key for, for central bank digital currencies. What do you think their role is with the FedNow launch? Are they going to be, I guess, getting any more utility with the launch of FedNow? Maybe. Like I said before, Abs, I, I haven't gone deep down that rabbit hole of the FedNow. But like when you look at the technology and what it's set up to do, I mean, I, I can see that happening. But like I said, I, I haven't done a lot of research on it. But XLM definitely has been moving while like XRP has stayed stagnant. I believe that they both kind of have their role to play. Um, and regardless of the blockchain, right? I, I think that as time goes on and as regulation comes in and, and these different like niches, like whether it's finance, whether it's gaming, whether it's NFTs, whether it's like the governments, right? State regulators, or I'm sorry, state governments, right? As they start to adopt blockchain technology and they kind of, try to find out what they need it for. This is where you're going to see the separation in the different blockchains and the better use case for them, right? So whether that's XLM to, to like build CBDCs or it's XRP, or you get Solana that's doing NFTs or you do Tezos that's like kind of a state blockchain that's working with DMB, like that's still kind of playing out. But I think once we get regulation and things get a little bit more clear, they'll start to shake out and then the few will kind of rise to the top. Because I don't think it's going to be one blockchain that rules them all. I think there'll be multiple blockchains, but they'll be very specific on what they do, right? Absolutely, Gonzo. And I'm pulling up this video in the background because we're going to get this thing started with a little Charles Hoskins conversation. We discussed this a little bit yesterday, but we didn't get Gonzo and Jenna's take. So I'm going to play this quick video. This is the founder of Cardano saying he now supports Ripple because Ethereum gate is more clear than ever. <laughs> but bureaucrats got a bureaucrat, you know, uh, Starting to believe this free pass thing a little bit, huh? Yeah, starting to feel that way. I, I got some sympathy for you XRP guys. Yeah, I'm being pushed into that corner. I really am. You know, I, I, I don't know about that. You know, 
little cray cray. Anyway. Anyway, Gonzo, I know you got some comments, but we're going to start with Jenna here. Charles has changed his stance like four or five times. In December, he thought the lawsuit was going to be over. In January, he tweeted at our account and said, XRP has no utility. Here he is flip-flopping again, now saying he supports Ripple because Ethereum gate is very clear. So as somebody who's a founder or a supporter of Cardano, what does this mean to you? I mean, this is just proof that even though he has his own project and he's a billionaire, he doesn't even know what's going on out there. But it's nice to finally have him on our side supporting us now he understands and knows what we've gone through which you know is huge and I know abs you love to dog on him all the time but I think it's more important that you know we're coming together because you know he has a huge platform and for his voice to be heard we need that so it's just bringing more and more people together but yeah Evegate is real thank you Charles uh, Gonzo (laughs) give me your take and I'm going to respond I know you have some inside information about his I guess, inside sources and the way that Ethereum was founded. We got 168 live listeners already joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Happy 4th of July. Gonzo, what's on your mind before we kick it to Johnny? Yeah, I mean, it's not so much like inside information abs. It's just like going back and just doing the research and studying, right? And seeing like you have to put yourself in the perspective of that time frame of we were at, right? When Ethereum was created. So Vitalik was there. Charles was there. Uh, Gavin Wood was there, Jofus Lubidin were there, right? When Ethereum would rolled out, it was the very first ICO that was ever created. There was never an ICO before that, right? They paid um, Bill Hinman's law firm, uh, Thinman, what was it, Hinman and Thatcher, whatever it's called, right? Before he was the SEC commissioner, right? They had paid them millions of dollars and Joseph Lubin also leveraged his relationships, right? Because he, he knew a lot of people in the kind of Washington space and Golden Sachs space, right? So he um, basically what they did was is they kind of leveraged the relationships. They paid the law firm to say, hey, we're going to roll this thing out. Is this thing going to be legal, right? And so they got like the best guidance that they did. They rolled the ICO out. Bill Hinman is involved in the law firm, right? So he sees what's going on. He sees what Ethereum is going to build in the ICO. So then now... He becomes the uh, SEC chair and he's already told his law firm to invest in it, right? Into the initial ICO. And then he makes that famous speech. It runs, right? So back to Charles, right? Charles was there at the beginning when he says that bureaucrats going to bureaucrat. He was there, right? He was there when they were lobbying Washington, when they were lobbying the SEC in the initial ICO. He left because of initial kind of discrepancy with Ethereum where They needed to figure out, are we going to do this like a corporation or are we going to do this like a foundation? We can see what ended up happening. It ended up being a foundation and they all went their separate ways, right? Gavin Wood was the lead developer in Ethereum. He went to build Polygon. I'm sorry. He went to build Dot, right? And then um, Charles left and he went to go build um, Cardano. So it's just interesting when he says that because he was around during those times when they were lobbying all these people to try to roll out the initial ICO that came out with Ethereum. And this is one of the biggest, I guess, arguments or disagreements me and Johnny have had. Johnny loves to give Charles the excuse of naivete. Charles didn't understand the XRPL. Charles didn't know what he was talking about criticizing XRP. I'm going to give you a chance to defend yourself, but anybody who watched our show yesterday, I did the timestamps and watched it back. That is the stance that you took, my friend. So please give me your take. No, no, no. Never said Charles was naive. You said Charles was naive. I said... Charles is focused on what Charles should be focusing on. Charles is focused on his technology and what he wants to do. And that's where his focus should be. And he made a couple predictions. He was wrong about the XRP, and the XRP community slaughtered him. 
And he's like, you know what? I don't have time for this. I got to go develop a freaking thing. I get it. And we're trying to develop Merlin. I ain't got time to feel bullshit either. So you know what? He just well, he's decided to walk. Aliens, my friend. He uh, had time to go in the woods uh, and search for aliens. He decided. That's all right. You know what? I got time to go search for uh, you know gold coins in the bottom of the lake too. Eh? We all find our own little things we want to do. But the reality is, so at the end of the day, listen, Jenna nailed it spot on. I'm just pissed off I didn't have my 100% of green sign when she was talking. This industry, and I'll say this again. I've been saying it consistently. We don't need any more internal fighting. We got enough enemies on the outside trying to kill the industry. That, And I know Abs calls him a fake friend. Okay, well, you may want to call Charles Cardano a fake friend. That's fine. I don't agree with it. I think he just realized or learned or woken up to the fact that, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm pretty off, better off being on that side of the, of, the, of the table than this side of the table. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what a man does. When a man wakes up, makes a mistake, he's like, oh, you know what? I need to reposition myself. That's actually a smart man, not a dumb man. I wouldn't want somebody who's sitting there and saying, oh, let me continue to go on down the path with these other guys. No, makes no sense. He's doing the right thing. By the way, Gonzo, I've been down that rabbit hole too. Two things. You're going to need a longer rope and a bigger battery for your headlamp because that hole goes freaking super deep. Let me tell you, brother. Very. Yeah, I'm excited to show our listeners an article as well. Johnny, thank you for your stance on ADA. I will say I do hold the token. Like I'm not somebody who's anti-ADA or anti-Cardano. I bought a, I bought a bunch of it in 2020. I held it, didn't sell it throughout the bear market. But when I listened to Charles talk about his project, it's clear there is some personal bias. You can say whatever you want about it, but there is definitely personal bias. And I think Gonzo highlighted some of the connections behind the scenes. This is another video, guys. It is the 4th of July, so I didn't have enough time to highlight too many articles this morning. This is going to be a video-centric video, or video-centric Good Morning Crypto podcast. And we're going to show you something from Joe Rogan discussing central bank digital currencies and how right now this discussion is more important than ever. This, yeah. People are pushing in a very obvious and very specific direction. They want digital currency, centralized digital currency that they control. And they want to get everybody on a social credit score system. They're probably connected to some sort of a vaccine app. Or if you want to travel around, all they would need is another pandemic to try to push that shit through. And they're already talking about that. It's very spooky. Gonzo, what do you think it is that Joe Rogan is now talking about this on his platform? My take yesterday was that two things are important here. Number one, this conversation is becoming important to the everyday citizen and the everyday American. But number two, even if they don't think it's important, now they're becoming aware. And that's a big fundamental shift. But guys, we got 215 live listeners joining us. Thank you for being here on the 4th of July. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, give me your take on Joe Rogan. Um, before I do that, I just want to make a comment about what we were talking about before, right? Because we were talking about Charles. Sometimes we talk about Vitalik. Sometimes we're Brad. Brad's the hero. Brian Armstrong's the hero. Vitalik's the evil, right? Look, at, at the end of the day, we're, we're an opinion show and we talk about these different stories and stuff. But what I recommend people do is do the research, look at the technology, look at the wallet addresses, look at who's actually adopting the technology and who's developing and take the emotions and the narratives out of it, right? Because I don't think it mixed well with the, an investment thesis, right? To each his own, but go down deep and look at who's actually using this technology. What are the use cases? And then go with that, right? Don't, don't get wrapped up in the like, he's evil, he's bad, he's this, he's that, right? Look at the actual technologies and are they going to be around here in the future? Do they solve something? And do they actually have a use case that is actually being implemented and that people are actually using? Because if no one's using it, then what is the point, right? So like, look at all those things and, and then make your decision in your investment thesis. But yeah, as far as the CBDC thing, 
Wait, I let me actually give you a follow-up on Cardano. You brought up something really cool. Cardano's leading in the world in developers. Cardano's got like 3,100 developers specifically building on Cardano. When we talk about use cases and real-world applications, when you look at other blockchains, they're performing much better. So does that factor in the fact that they have the most developers, but not necessarily the most use cases, if that makes sense? No, I think it does. You know, it's something to keep an eye on. Like you always see that with Cardano, right? Like you, you see these kind of partnerships and you see that they're outside of the U.S. and that they're building these things in these third world countries. And they have kind of like a real world solve, but it more has to do with like banking the bankless, right? What you're looking for, and, and, and maybe that catches fire, right? But you understand that. And maybe that's what Cardano's niche is finally like what it becomes, right? Something about banking the bankless outside of kind of like, a first world country, we still don't know, right? I, like I said, I think they're all going to have different niches, right? I think there's going to be one for gaming. There's going to be one for NFTs. Maybe those are combined. There's going to be one for finance, right? That's why we love XRP and XLM so much, right? There's going to be some that maybe states and government use for certain kind of records, right? Because it all depends on how fast they are, how scalable they are. Um, and so, yeah, but it's, you know, we're still so early, like Johnny Locke likes to say, so it's still kind of playing out. So it's something you got to keep an eye on, but like, it's not just all about like speed. Um, and it's not all about uh, scalability, right? It, it's what, whatever they're going to use it for is it, does it adapt to what they want to use it for? Right. And so yeah. maybe a government, they want scalability, but they don't care about speed, right? Because, or they're looking at security because they want something super secure because it has to do with maybe your medical records, right? And so they need scalability and they need security, but they don't really care about speed, right? Whereas other ones like finance, we want speed and we want security. So it's, it all still needs to play out, but we're still very, very, very early. Absolutely, Gonzo. And check out this latest article. As we talk about real-world use cases coming to fruition, a new report out of the Atlantic Council stated that 130 countries are ready to launch their central bank digital currency by 2024. That would represent 98% of the world's gross domestic product. This is the primary example of how things are shifting, whether the U.S. is getting involved or not. Over 20 countries are taking steps to pilot a CBDC this year. That includes India and Brazil, who both plan to launch their central bank digital currency by the end of 2024. Why is this so important, Johnny? We're going to tie this into Stellar right now because Stellar's actually piloting Ukraine's central bank digital currency. But what did I find last night while going through their website? They've actually inked a new deal with MoneyGram using them as an on and off ramp for their platform. So Castor Crypto is a new kind of business use case for MoneyGram. So we've been getting to know digital wallets in the crypto space and establishing an application slash registration process to ensure that they can leverage MoneyGram's new access. One wallet application has integrated seamlessly with MoneyGram is Stellar's ecosystem proposal. It's fairly easy for them to onboard and start testing the on and off ramps on our platform. So Johnny, MoneyGram was linked to XRP and you did a phenomenal breakdown of the patent last week. But now we have Stellar actually confirming the use case here. This is a little bit different than a patent. Stellar saying they're using XLM for the on and off ramps. What does that mean to you, my friend? Well, the interesting thing here is that you actually had MoneyGram partnered first with Ripple and XRP and leveraging that system. And then, of course, when the lawsuit came out, you kind of saw that whole thing break apart. As I did some deep research back then, though, it was a while ago now, uh, if I remember correctly, Ripple actually paid for that relationship, okay? And that's not uncommon when you're starting a new technology or starting something out that sometimes you pay to play. I talked about that last week. And so the interesting thing to find out here is that Stellar paid to play. 
is if they did, which I'm going to guess they, they probably did, they gave uh, MoneyGram some money to be the, the next, you know, to be the guy, the next guy in line since Ripple, you know, got booted. Um, to me, you know, there's always, there's always a question when you're paying somebody to use your technology versus somebody picking you to use their technology. And that's the difference, right? And we know, like, for example, Amazon, a lot of people pay Amazon. A lot of companies pay them, crypto companies, to be able to say, hey, we're partners with, with, with Amazon. But there was one company, I think it was AVAX, I think it was AVAX, that they said, actually, Ripple, I mean, not Ripple, Amazon picked them because of the, they like the technology. So that is when it becomes significant. So that's the research we got to dig a little deeper to find out is, is Stellar paying for that relationship or did MoneyGram come knocking on the door saying, hey, we want you guys as our main guy, then it becomes extremely more significant than just being a paid partner. I think you're definitely right, Johnny Crypto. Um, I, I am getting a little bit of an echo from your microphone. So if we can change this spot, it would be very, very helpful. But check out this latest update, guys. This could be a massive catalyst for XRP. And this is from one of our friends, Crypto Erie. She's reminding us that the automated market maker on the XRPL will add liquidity for trading payments and give XRP native storage demand. This is going to allow people to earn yield on their stored XRP, but also allow institutions to have an incentive to buy the currency. Here's Brad Garlinghouse actually elaborating on what Crypto Erie broke down. Messages to banks that have liquidity. So to some degree, Citibank and HSBC, uh, really the top two, JPM, those are the top three liquidity banks. And when you're sending SWIFT messages, you're sending messages to banks to release liquidity and making sure the debits and credits match. So to some degree, really boil it down, Ripple's competing with the liquidity of City and the messaging of SWIFT, but in one. Uh, mute button, bud. Unless it's me. No. Okay. No, it's me. It's him there. Okay. So, uh, so I'm going to keep going. So Ripple, uh, you know, when I was l looking at this, when I was l listening to this, Jenna, um, I, I started thinking about kind of like Bitcoin, right? And then the run that it's going on right now. And a lot of it seems like it's fueled by the Bitcoin ETF and the kind of institutional money that's kind of rolling into the market. I, I think this next like leg up, that's what it's fueled by. And, and what's important about what Brad's talking about here is that they need to find you know, we always talk about like banks, right? And they have to get the buy-in, but we really need to find a use case for XRP that the institutions like, right? And, and we think it's the cross-border payments thing because it's really when the institutions buy in and, and they find an actual use case that this kind of thing starts to run. I don't know what you think about that. I think we have Thank abs back. So we have oh, you covered me there. I hit the microphone Thanks. button and it got stuck on mute. So I don't know what's going on, but Johnny- no We've often talked about, and we're going to play a video in just a couple of minutes, where private developers are calling XRP the secret sauce for international payments. Because in the future, with all of these separate countries developing private central bank digital currencies on the XRPL, XRP is what they're going to use to communicate with one another. And we have some hard evidence to provide. But what do you think about this take right here? As the automated market maker comes into effect, the need for XRP is going to increase. Well, I mean, there's certainly no question about it that I think they have the infrastructure and they've got the system in place to be that bank-to-bank -bank cross border payment solution system, right? We know that. However, to bring all the different blockchains together, because I don't think they're going to be one rule, one one rule law. I don't think that's going to happen out the gate. We already know that all these central banks are trying different blockchain systems apps. You you actually described that. <laughs> you said uh, 
was it uh i forgot what country you just said is actually using xlm so they're going to use different ukraine. ukraine thank you so at the end of the day this is where quant is going to come in and actually kind of help solve some of that big problem bringing them all together and allow this uh, all these different multi-chain systems that I think are going to run to be able to operate, not, not multi-chain, but all these individual chains running together to create a multi-chain system, with a, which I think is going to center around quant as the whole link to bring them all together, to be honest with you. But I still think it's certainly significant that, you know, XLM and XRP will, I think, have a big piece to play in that. You see all the positioning happening. You see the relationships in places. You see ripple planting their seeds around the rest of the world so i think it's only a matter of time before we end up seeing what the real real choice is but like i told you guys in the beginning when we were when we were kind of nailing down whether it was going to be bluetooth or all these other technologies there's about a good two three four year period where people are just trying to figure it all out and i think a similar thing is going to happen here I agree with you, Johnny, and I think this video kind of highlights that pretty well. Jenna, I'm going to leave you in the top uh, left-hand corner while this video plays because there's some very powerful statements in here. They talk about how XRP and XLM have been chosen by the IMF as private currencies, and she references the document. So let's have a discussion. In March of 2023, there was a report by the IMF titled Trust Bridges and Money Flows, a digital marketplace to improve cross-border payments. And interestingly, on page 23, they mention two digital assets, and that's XRP and XLM. The Bank for International Settlements publishes their money flower, and there is a small space in that money flower for those private cryptocurrencies. So I agree with you that the winners of this have already been chosen. I believe so. And so while she's stating right here, the BIS has already chosen the winners, Jenna. What is the topic of conversation around the world? A Bitcoin ETF. NASDAQ refiles for a BlackRock spot Bitcoin ETF and names Coinbase as a surveillance partner. And we're going to be hearing from John Deaton about this as well. But the reason I wanted to connect these two articles is because I think it's the perfect example of a distraction. Everybody's focused on Ethereum, ETHgate, Bitcoin applications. But the real companies, the real institutions in the background, they're building on Stellar. And they're building on Ripple. So I'd love to hear what it means to you before we break down the NASDAQ application. Yeah, like nobody's talking about that. You don't see like that making the headlines of the IMF two chosen ones, XRP, XLM. You got to go do your digging to get that. You know, that's not what's all over Coindesk and everything like that. And they do that for a reason because, you know, so people can keep buying in so low and everything like that. Once all this news is out and it's more adopted, XRP gets done with it their lawsuit, you're not going to have these prices. You're not going to have an eight, nine cent XLM anymore. The days of 40 cent XRP are going to be gone. They're just keeping that info quiet to themselves, in my opinion. I completely agree with you, Jenna and Gonzo. The conversation I'd like to have connects to the article we showed our listeners earlier. When we were talking about central bank digital currencies and how 98% of the world's GDP is ready to start using this product, well, there's a different take at the bottom of this article, so I'd love to read a quick paragraph and kick it right back to you, my friend. CBDCs are being developed precisely because they provide governments with increased power and control. This kind of threat to individual rights will naturally drive people towards private solutions, while governments are sure to work hard to thwart such alternatives, since they undermine the increased government control and power of a central bank digital currency. What do you think, Gonzo? Is this an optimistic perspective, or do you think when people wake up to what this stuff is, they're going to shift to... Ethereum, XRP, XLM, and so on. 
You know, they could. I, I think we're going to have both. I, I think CBDCs are um, unavoidable. Um, I, I think that's why, you know, we love XLM and XRP so much because they're going to be building the rails. And so that's going to translate, hopefully, to price appreciation, right? Because that's the biggest thing, right? When you look at it, is like whether it's the lawsuit or whatever you have, we just haven't seen that price appreciation. And it's like that. It's like the shiny object theory, right? Where why are people talking about the Bitcoin ETF? Because so far, Bitcoin is the energy of the market. You guys can hate me all you want, but go back and look at the history. Bitcoin has survived Silk Road regulation. It survived all of the craziness that's happened in its inception. It went from fractions of a cent to $69,000. There's no other asset in the world that has done a move like that. And I'm hoping, hey, my biggest bag is XRP. I'm hoping that when everything clicks, that XRP continues to make a move like that. But so far, it has not, right? So far, we're like kind of in this accumulation phase where we, we continue to accumulate and we continue to accumulate. And I think eventually it will click. But I understand also why it's like the shiny object or why they talk about the Bitcoin ETF and why it moves the market. When you look back at the moves that that Bitcoin has done, and you can say whatever you want about its old technology or whatever, but there is no other asset in the world that has done the move that it has done. And it still keeps doing it, right? It's still here, right? I think eventually it's going to get dethroned by something, right? But that day is not today. You know, let me, let me throw something out there to blow you guys' mind. You know, we're talking about XLM, XLP, and everybody somehow it's all planned up. About you know what, XLM is not supposed to exist. Not supposed to be here. XLM does that, I don't know if you guys. I mean, you guys know the story. Maybe some of the people in our chat know the story. But there was no plan for XLM. It's not supposed to be here. XLM exists because the three guys who created XRP. And you guys know who they are, but I'll throw them out anyway. So you had Swartz, Brito, and McCaleb, who actually wrote the code in 2011. Right? So they actually created the code, the, the XRPL ledger, and then eventually launched XRP in 2012. Then in that same time period, uh, that's when Larson and, uh, came aboard, and so I think it was also Brad. Well, they started having fights over a woman. There was a girl in there that Jeb was dating, and he wanted to put her higher power, and they didn't, whatever. So the woman... Broke the company apart. They left, and Jeb goes and creates XLM. So think about that for a second. Everybody talks about how this is all planned. XLM wasn't planned. That's like having a baby that you didn't expect, okay? So now the question is, what is the use cases? It definitely was not a planned child. But nonetheless, the thing, the reason why I think XLM exists and why it may go somewhere is because it feels like McCaleb is like the Teflon Donald Crypto, right? And I think he has the relationships, and I think that's what her ex. RP when he broke away, I think he was the one that was bringing that together. This will be very interesting, though, to see if these guys forge an alliance, because we know there's a lot of bad blood between McCaleb and uh, the folks who remain back at Ripple. But if they're coming back together, that that would be something very, very interesting. Apps. Very, very interesting to see. Johnny, if I can add another comment as well. What did Mark Yusko say about what big banks do when they want to buy an asset? They don't go out and buy tons of it. They, they don't They don't announce it. They don't tell the world, that's for sure. A, they don't announce it. And B, they don't buy it at the highest price. They do everything in their power to kill that so much. Fud it out. Bad news. Scare the whole world. Fear everybody to sell it. Get it as low as possible. And then they come in and buy it up for pennies on the dollar apps. Well, that's exactly what I was going to break down because think about this, Gonzo. What are the only currencies that are continuing to not break all-time highs? We went through the 2021 bull run. 
the most legitimate projects are the ones that have the most suppressed price action. There's no such thing as a coincidence, just an unrecognized pattern. And luckily, we recognize that one. But guys, we got 261 live listeners joining us. Show us some love and smash that like button. We have so much content left to get into in the next half an hour. Gonzo, we're going to start it off with this interesting video. This is Vitalik Buterin talking about how he is only staking a small percentage of his Ethereum on the native protocol because he may not trust the network. Let's talk about it. Like just staking all. Probably the biggest reason why I personally am not like just staking all of my ETH and I'm instead like staking a fairly small portion is uh, because if you stake your ETH, it has to be on like the keys that access it have to be public on uh, some uh, system that's online. And like for safety, it has to be a multi-sig and multi-sigs for staking are still fairly, fairly difficult to set up. Um, and, um, you know, it just, it gets complicated in a bunch of ways. So Gonzo, I'm going to give you the, for anybody who doesn't watch our channel very often, Gonzo is the self-proclaimed, or at least I call him the Ethereum expert. So give us some details here. What should we know? And is that important to know? Come on, man. Like, come on, Vitalik, dude, you're going to try to tell me that you were there at the beginning, one of the original developers. And that was the other thing I was going to say about Jeb McCaleb, right? Like he was there at the beginning when Bitcoin's inception, right? He was the original guy with Mt. Gox, right? And he's been there like almost like every step away when you look at the history of cryptocurrency. A lot of these guys, guy, right? The guy from AC, um, AZ16, um, Andreessen Horowitz, they were all developers on Bitcoin that branched off and did their own thing. But back to the talent. Dude, you expect me to believe that you created Ethereum, but you can't figure out how to set up a multi-sig wallet that's super secure so that you can stake your Ethereum? Dude, I don't know if he's a clown show. I don't know if he's trying to manipulate the price to kind of crash it so they can buy back in. But come on, dude, he's he's one of the smartest guys on the planet. And you're going to tell me that you don't know how to set up a multi-sig wallet that's super secure, but you wrote the original code for Ethereum? Dude, come on, man. It, it, total joke. I think he was saying like for normal people, such as myself, to try to set up a multi-sig wallet. So I think he's just talking about like, the gen pop out here. Sorry, that definitely m would make more sense. And I do want to move on because we have so much stuff. But it in. doesn't make, I, and I get what you're saying, Jenna, but what doesn't make sense is, okay, that's for you and me, right? But why would it stop you from setting up your own multi-sig wallet, right? Why would you not, you, you created Ethereum. So if you know how to set up a multi-sig wallet, then it should be super secure for you. But he doesn't have a lot of his Ethereum, you know, staked because- he says it's complicated. So to me, it made me feel like, go ahead. I think he's a little bit full of shit. Yeah, 100%. A lot of it, not a little bit. But guys, check out this next episode of, uh, of, of what we're going to show you. The NASDAQ has officially reviewed and refiled for a Bitcoin ETF application, partnering with BlackRock and using Coinbase as a surveillance partner. The mainstream media is completely focused on Bitcoin, but what we like to do on our channel is show you what's really happening in the background. They're telling you Bitcoin, they're telling you Ethereum, but the big banks behind the scenes are planning on using a whole separate group of currencies, and that's what we're about to break down. Here we go. Which together have decided at central bank level to go with a, di a digital currency. So central bank digital currency is coming alive. Right now, digital currency sounds very edgy and uh, kind of alternative lifestyle, um, but it's it's becoming the mainstream. And so the banks 
Uh, the largest banks in particular are very aware of this. They're investing in the technology and they will provide this service um, as soon as it's profitable enough. I have the good fortune of being the CEO at Ripple. Ripple sells a, a set of technologies to banks and other financial institutions that dramatically accelerate the ability for banks and regulated financial institutions to settle transactions between each other. Some say Ripple could be the next Bitcoin. What do you think, Brad? Is that a compliment that Ripple could be the next Bitcoin? Well, I think if we're solving a real problem and it's a, at scale, uh, then I think it's a compliment. I think the most important thing that is going on in crypto is understanding what is real and what is just hype. Which together have decided at Central. It's very interesting, Gonzo, because he said something at the end that really stuck with me. We're figuring out what's real and what's just hype. And we got 281 live listeners here on the 4th of July. Thank you for being here and spending time with us. I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs and then I'm going to kick it to Gonzo, Jenny and Jonna to get some thoughts. The NASDAQ has resubmitted an update for its iShares Bitcoin Trust. This updated version includes a surveillance sharing agreement with Coinbase, making it similar to other forms applications. The NASDAQ refiled a 19B4 form for their iShares Bitcoin each. Sorry, that is a mouthful right there. The NASDAQ filed for a 19B form for the iShares Bitcoin Trust, a spot Bitcoin ETF with BlackRock at the helm. The exchange said it also reached an agreement with crypto exchange Coinbase to enter into a surveillance sharing agreement with the expectation that a definitive agreement will be done at the spot of trading. The spot Bitcoin ETF is expected to be a bilateral surveillance sharing agreement between NASDAQ and Coinbase and is intended to supplement this exchange market surveillance program. Both NASDAQ and the CBOE said that in their recent filings from BlackRock, Fidelity and others were not clear but comprehensive. So they had to refile because the SEC said they couldn't understand the original application. They didn't trust Coinbase to give them the spot prices. Well, now we've got the biggest names in the planet calling out Gary Gensler. BlackRock, JP Morgan, CBOE are supporting Coinbase. Gary Gensler and the SEC are pushing them away. Jenna, what do you think is really going on here? You know, you know, abs on that one there. Uh, Jenna, I'll take that one if you want. Um, you know, you certainly have a huge, huge, we've been saying this for a while. This is a big, big sandbox, and the little guys were playing in it. And now, Abs, we're seeing the actual shift over into the big boys coming to play in this space and kind of capitally or taking it over, right? And so now this is going to be a process that no, most people don't pay attention to. But because we're here so early, we're all paying attention and we're watching, again, the making of the sausages and how this happens. And this is what happens behind the scenes. You get all this kind of push and pull and shove. And, but at the end of the day, Abs, the reality is we are moving towards a Bitcoin ETF. There's no question about it. We're headed there. That's what's going to set up, if you will, the foundation, the big key index driver of the 12th sector of the economy, as Kevin O'Leary likes to call it, which will be cryptocurrency market and bitcoin will be at the heart of it and you're just seeing the beginnings of how it's going to come together and so the sec to me this whole thing is just a delay and stall i just don't think they're ready yet so they want to continue to delay and push it make it look like they're working and getting towards it while all that money while all that money is getting ready to flood into this space gonzo i'd love to get some of your thoughts as well and then we're going to give our listeners an in-depth dive into fed now and how three banks that are working with fed now are also using RippleNet. I, you know, to me, it's a setup, right? It gives the SEC an, an excuse now to say, look, we gave clarity, right? So, you know, instead of denying the, the application, they said we need a little bit more clarity and we need it in this area, right? Which is what had to do with 
setting up a special relationship with an exchange so they can do the surveillance shares, right? So that there's no price manipulation. That's why in the past, all of these spot ETFs have been denied, right? Because of the manipulation possibility, right? And so this thing fixes that. And so when you look at it, it just seems hella shady to me. Like BlackRock all of a sudden jumps into the fray. You don't think they knew this already? So it's a win for BlackRock, right? Because they're going to get their spot ETF approved. And it's a win for the SEC because they can now go back and say, look, we gave some clarity, right? They applied. We told them not no. We told them we need clarity here. And they gave us the clarity. Every single application that's been resubmitted, guess who their partner is? Guess who's going to do the surveillance share partnering of that? Do you know who that is, Abs? No, who is it? It's Coinbase. Every single one of them is going to use Coinbase. But yet the SEC is suing Coinbase, right? I also so want to point just out stock price is pumping too, Gonzo. Right, off the, right after this news, MicroStrategies and Coinbase's stock price had a massive price pump. I can pull it up for our listeners. Yeah, of course. Of course it is because all of these guys have now a special relationship with Coinbase, dude. Coinbase is going to end up like we've talked about in the past, the chosen one, right? When it figures out all this regulation part, it'll be totally fully regulated and it's going to expand. It's going to, it's going to, I guarantee you, Coinbase will try to take the place of what Binance was, right? That's what these guys are trying to set up, right? As they get trapped by their hooks into Coinbase and they give it the kind of blessing, that's what it's going to expand into. And then you can see it right here. All of them have that partnership with Coinbase. And so, um, yeah, like, so I tell people like that people, I'm not into stocks, but if you're into stocks, you should be investing in coin, right? Because this thing is going to run. No doubt about it. Kathy Woods has been saying it for years and she bought it even more. I mean, there's no question that you're seeing the, uh, the the pieces being pushed and shoved aside and who's coming in and who's coming out. Binance getting kicked out. Coinbase, we know they have a huge partnership, relationship, connection with Circle and with BlackRock. There should be no surprise there whatsoever. That is going to be the nucleus of this system as we move forward. So now... The good news is, Ab says, or Gonzo said, this is good news when the spot coin ETF comes to BlackRock. Good news for the SEC, but it's also more importantly good news for everybody here in the here in this channel and in the chat room because what that's going to do is going to legitimize finally for the first time ever, first time ever because it's still not the cryptocurrency market when you have a true spot Bitcoin ETF that is approved by the SEC because as Kevin Larry said there's a ton of money. Just sitting on the sideline, one, two, three basis points that's ready to flood into the space. And that liquidity is going to come in. And if, if, if you're planning it, like we always say, all this stuff is planned. Well, why not plan it when the halvings come in? That's what I would do. Right, Johnny. Right. And to add on to that, you know, check out um, BTM. It's a, you know, Bitcoin ATM stock that just got put into NASDAQ. So, I mean, that is probably going to roll with the cycles as well. I can see the price pumping just like um, we saw BTSC do on the pink sheet. So it'd be good to keep an eye on. Really cool. And another interesting stat, Jen, is every single bull market that we've experienced in crypto started with one token in particular pumping out of nowhere. That was Bitcoin Cash. And what have we seen the last couple of weeks? Bitcoin Cash, their chart's moving like that, like it always does at the beginning of a bull market. So it is a really exciting time for this. And Gonzo, I want to get your thoughts on this story. As the markets are performing well right now, they could be getting us ready for a black swan. And anybody who follows Waters Above, he put out a great video this morning breaking this down. Update, a reminder that Digital Currency Group is functionally insolvent. They miss debt payments that are now on record and they are legally in default. Digital Currency Group is using grayscales outside fees to pay legal fees and operational costs. 
and is crafting every possible legal delay to avoid the cascading ramifications of July 7th. In three days, we could see one of the largest players in the market go under, Gonzo. This could be the final black swan. This could be another FTX event. How seriously are you taking that DCG is insolvent? You know, whether it's DCG being insolvent or they come up with something else, there's something that's coming, right? Because we're in a bull trap. The Bitcoin halving is next year. And so this is how the cycles play out. You can look back at the inception of Bitcoin. And then as they added the other altcoins, this is what we do, right? So we're in the middle of what we call a bull trap. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the next maybe few days, few weeks, Bitcoin is going to break that $32,000 lever. It's going to run to the next resistance level. It's at about 37000 After that, I'm not too sure. And then we're going to roll over and we're going to come back down, right? And we're going to test. I don't know if we make a new low, right, in Wyckoff accumulation. I, I think that we um, stay above the low, right? But we're going to retest some of those other lows. And then we're going to grind and then we're going to come out of it. Whether it's DCG being involved, solvent, whether it's the Fed, whether it's war, whatever the narrative is, there's going to be a narrative, right? And the sentiment is going to flip. And so, you know, kind of enjoy it where you can. We always tell people, pull profits, right? Um, and then, um, you know, when we come back down and there's max fear, those are the times that you want to be dollar cost averaging. And Jen, My financial advice. That's just what we do. Never is, never is, Gonzo. And look at where we are compared to other cycles when we're talking about Bitcoin. We are right at the precipice of what would be considered a bull market, Jenna. So really briefly, what are you thinking? Is this, is this cycle going to correspond with other cycles? Does it look like we're bottoming out and heading up for some accumulation? Oh, man, I don't do TA, guys. I'm, I'm all about buying the dips and DC hang in. That's all Gonzo all day long. But um, yeah, so I couldn't tell you either way. I just know buy low, sell high. Yeah, you know, <laughs> as we talked about here, Abs, to me, this is going to be a different cycle. And I know everybody else, you know, thinks it's normal and saying, that's fine, you can, you can disagree, it's cool. But I do think that this the, the elements around this one are completely different. I've already said this on the show many times. We know in 2013, 2017, 2021, the big boys weren't playing in the sandbox like they're playing in 2025. So... This time around, or sorry, 2024. So this next one coming around in 2024, it's a whole, there's a bunch of new people in the sandbox. Uh, I'm not saying we're not going to get some kind of bull run or bull market. It may be the bigger, it may be a bigger one than the other ones because now the big boys are here. But it's going to get super manipulated. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I certainly think that one thing's for sure. I think Sin City said it, you know, He's stacking his pennies against their dollars. There's nothing ever wrong with stacking. And we're all doing that. Right? That's why we're here. We're here early. And we are literally stacking our, our pennies. Maybe a few of us got some dimes and quarters that we're stacking up against their dollars in this space. Because we know now that they're in it, they're going to send this so much up to the moon when they're ready. Now, when is it ready? That's the key question. Again, time will tell. But to me, if I were them, I'd be planning it around the next halving. So that's why you got to keep an eye on it and see, see if all this stuff comes together. Do we get the BTF ruling? Do we get the end of the Ripple case? Just all, they'll, it'll feel like a perfect storm. They'll bring it all together at the same time. That's what I think will happen. Johnny, the title of today's episode was XRP Secret Sauce. And on our channel, we constantly break down how XRP is being built so that central bank digital currencies can communicate with each other. 
Well, it appears that that's just the tip of the iceberg. And this video really breaks that down. Guys, we got nearly 290 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest update for Ripple and XRP. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Alish, I see you nodding along there. Um, do you want to chime in on this? Yeah, certainly. So, um, yeah, I think the, the the question around the the harmonization of the data is is, is one of the key elements here. Uh, you know, just and uh, you know, just because uh, you have two jurisdictions that both run on ISO twenty or twenty two doesn't necessarily mean the specifications are the same. There is still a re required effort for a harmonization. Right? So. Uh, it certainly is not uh, as uh, a slam dunk, uh, even with the with the common standard. Obviously, is a far more difficult endeavor if those if if the the, the standards are different, right? So that you don't even speak the same language. I mean, in, in case of ISO, at least you're speaking the same language and really you're harmonizing rather than really trying to learn a different language. So, uh, but that's a that's a key element in, in making the uh, the interconnectivity. And as John called out, obviously for our uh, high value payments, that's a that was a successful delivery we had just recently. Um, but I think the overall kind of modernization effort that's taking place, not only for Canada, but other, and other jurisdictions is the momentum that I think will carry this through. And, uh, and um, you know, I'm personally focused on the on the real time payments, which is really has to do with the single credit transfers. And I think the secret sauce is, is, is the interconnectivity between the various rails uh, that on those on those single credit transfers that will basically directly address the question of the, of, the, of the current process, which really is relatively expensive and, and relatively cumbersome. So Johnny, the reason I get so excited about this video in particular is because we always discuss the XRP lawsuit and how that could be a great catalyst for the currency. These types of articles are much more relevant. This is what we're talking about with sustained use cases and real world utility. If XRP is being used as the rails to communicate, you describe it like the launch of the internet. When TCP IP was first launched, that's when the internet became what it is today. We're going to see the same thing play out with crypto, and I think that's what Ripple is going to do for the industry. How do you feel about this video and XRP being the secret sauce for communications? He literally just told you that without the TCP IP of the 1990s, no, it doesn't work. He just literally said it. He literally said, we need something that enables interoperability and for that to happen, and until that happens, we've been saying on this show, it can't explode. I mean, and we saw that, you know, same thing as it enabled the, the whole Internet we enjoy today to happen. You know, now I'm not so sure I agree that XRP is going to be that interoperability because I don't believe it, it'll be it'll be limited in working with 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 within is running on the XRPL. And, and that's not really the interoperability that I think the whole world needs. I think it's going to be something at the next level up which would be the overledge or something that Quant most likely would provide. I don't believe at the XRPL has the ability to go across all. I know there's a few coins, for example, that were run under ODL, but it doesn't support them all. The, the whole point of, I think, true interoperability is going to be the ability to literally integrate any single blockchain in there, and that's what Quant does. So while I, I agree with him, interoperability will be the key to unlock it, I'm not so sure the XRPL was designed with it, its main function being interoperability. Its main function was cross-border remittance, and, you know, instant payment remittance across border, not necessarily interoperability for every single individual blockchain. So I'm not sure, sir, why he thinks it can do that. But Gonzo, if you got a different opinion on why, I'd love to hear it. But I, I don't believe it can do the interoperability to the level 
TCP/IP did for the internet, like Quant can. That's just my my eight cents. Yeah, no, I I think it remains to be seen, Johnny. I think there's certain things that it, it it can't connect, and maybe like and you're right. That's why we love Quant so much. But you know, we're, we're still kind of early. But uh, but I don't I don't think it needs the interoperability play. Like it it can just stick in its niche of cross border payments or just moving all of the money. That's enough, man. That is enough. Right? Yeah, and, and you're really going to need yeah. something like that, right? It, it, it's like you're going to – you don't just need the institutions, but you need something like that to move it forward. And, and if you're really going to go after Bitcoin and what Bitcoin represents – because remember, Bitcoin started in kind of like – when it, it's an exception, it was kind of – that had that narrative that it was outside of the fiat system. It was really – you know. Um, um, it was really accepted by that libertarian movement and that's really kind of what got it going. Right. And so we really need that for XRP and XLM. And, and what is that? It's the banks, right? It's the banks buying in all of the banks buying in and then using it as a liquidity to move money around the world. Cause if that happens, that's where you're really going to see it kind of take off. Right. But you're right. As far as the interoperability play, um, that that still remains to be seen. I, I think Quant is still kind of in the lead for that. Well, Johnny, look at this latest update as well, because this could be some devastating news for Bitcoin investors. While everyone's focused on a BlackRock ETF, Satoshi emerged from the shadows this week and activated his account on Bitcoin Talk today. What is going on here, guys? I'd just like to have a, bit, a brief conversation because nobody really knows if this is true, but this is the Satoshi account that was the original one activated. Johnny, is this a black swan? Is this just a coincidence? What's going on here? You know, like I said earlier, Abs, all the pieces are going to move into place. At a certain time, they'll bring a perfect storm coming together. I mean, I don't know if it's true or fake, you know, a fake account. If it is just, how many Bitcoin are in there? Does it say Abs? Can you see the value? So this is a messaging board that Satoshi was initially active on. So this isn't connected oh. to, to a Bitcoin oh. account per se, but it is okay, supposedly the creator. Yeah, I mean, listen, it doesn't surprise me. We explained how the game is played. Don't be surprised if you're starting to see a little excitement happening here or there and things are going to – you're going to start seeing a lot of crazy things <laughs> that you didn't expect to coming in 2024 as the big boys come in and move this whole thing into a – I mean, guys, we're going like – this is like going from kindergarten. Now we're going right to high school, right? We're going right to college. This could be a whole new level. When the big boys come in and open the floodgates on this thing, and things are going to happen that are going to be unexplainable, you're not going to get it, um, but you're just going to be happy that you're in it. And look at this latest glitch we saw. Anthony Pompliano was giving an interview on CNBC yesterday talking about Bitcoin ETFs. Well, somebody thought they were very funny at the network and edited the screen, and I think this was supposed to say, ouch, next to XRP. Now, this only flashed for about a second, maybe only two seconds on the screen, but one of our listeners out there caught it, so I think this is pretty funny. Is it, or... Isn't that supposed to say unchanged, meaning it just didn't change? Oh, uh, you could be right. Yeah, it's just like it's. Yeah, I've seen that before. Where the you know it's up. Well, let's run with my narrative. Well, we'll go with the ouch <laughs> if that makes you feel better. <laughs> no, honestly, Johnny, you're spot on. We should actually move on. Thank you for providing some truth there because I don't want to go down a rabbit hole if it's not worth our time. This is another one that's pretty funny that I found yesterday. The SEC is losing so many lawyers that its new hiring pitch is better work-life balance. That actually sounds nice. Sign me up, said Jeremy Hogan. And this is the SEC putting out a tweet stating that they're looking for attorneys to come and attack the crypto market. So anybody who wants to be a good guy and pretend to be a bad guy, go and sign up for the SEC. We can get some good men in the building. Gonzo, do you have any thoughts on this? The SEC hiring lawyers? Uh, 
No, I mean, not really do that in the condition of the, I mean, maybe it's somebody's dream to, to, to work for the SEC and, and be a regulator. I, I, I really think that the SEC has kind of fallen off on what its main goal was, right? Like what it's supposed to do. Uh, and you can see that we've heard stories about like uh, with inside of the SEC, people not liking how, you know, Gary Gensler has led them. And a lot of them had left, right? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that joined for different reasons, right? To, 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 to provide a service or, or to go out there and actually, you know, stop investors from losing their money. And, and, you know, there's different reasons why people joined. I don't think it was for the money and the benefits. Right. And, and so when you get there and then you see that they're, they're going in a different direction uh, and it kind of uh, maybe questions your, your morality of why you, you signed up to do that. Um, I, I definitely can see you going to do something else. Um, but yeah. I mean, I can add on to that um, just because I know I, you know, live with an attorney who is a regulator. And actually, the attorneys that the SEC gets, there are a lot of new attorneys. A lot of them don't go to very good law schools and they're looking for experience and to have on their resume. Hey, I work for the SEC or I'm an SEC, you know, attorney that looks good whenever they go out on their own and they're trying to work for other companies or build a big following on Clubhouse whatever it might be, but to help as, you know, an advisor to projects. But a lot of them are just new, not good attorneys. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, Abza, you know, our friend who's been on the show before, Joe here, maybe Joe, the, the SEC may need you, buddy. We need somebody out there who knows shit about crypto. So if you want a good work-life balance, Joe, maybe you should apply and educate them a little bit about crypto. Anyway. <laughs> and I've got a good initial step that Joe can take as right now for only $5,000, guys, you can go and play golf with Jay Clayton. Now, this is, <laughs> this is not a meme. I want to preface, this is not a joke. If you pay $5,000, you can go and have a private golfing match with Jay Clayton. My question to you is, why would anybody pay five grand unless you were going to get a little insider trader going? Am I right, Johnny? Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I listen, listen, listen. Let me tell you something. I work for a big corporation for a long time, okay? The biggest, all the big deals are done, and in, in, in most, you know, all the high people, you know, the, the high CEOs are are done on the golf course apps. When you want to get shit done, that's where it happens. Believe it or not, deals are struck on the golf course. I've seen it over and over and over again. So, yeah, if you want to figure out what's going on and you want to get in on the, you know, try to get in the group or try to make deals, you'll pay the five grand. It's a small price to pay to be able to sit down with some of the big boys and start forming those relationships. Because first step is, you know, form the relationship. Then step two, when you have the trust, then you go ahead and that's when the deals start happening. On the Listen, I'll tell you this much, Jenna, and I want to get your thoughts as well. If XRP had already pumped, you'd catch me on the golf course with Jay Clayton, guys, because there's definitely some conversations I think are worth having. Now, are there they you worth, go. Are they worth five grand? Maybe if I can get a camera in front of them, they would be. But Jenna, I do want to hear your thoughts. Is there any way you would pay five grand to play golf with Jay Clayton? Absolutely. I would do like an undercover um, media and I could write that off as a business expense. I'm pretty sure, right? Is there a tax accountant in the uh, feed? Oh, yeah, no. That's totally a business write-off. No doubt about it. Right. I mean, you know, X Factor, he wants to pay 5K too, Jay, uh, abs for it. <laughs> Well, you can do that for free as long as you're willing to deal with the consequences, guys. <laughs> we, got a, we got 280 live listeners here. We're going to close this episode out with a very interesting video. This is Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong discussing how they tried to act in good faith. But if we end up in a situation where Bitcoin and Ethereum are the only regulated currencies, the United States is going to be left nowhere but behind the rest of the world. So if the line gets drawn here and 
my hand is is meant to be in between Bitcoin and Ether over here and everything else over here. Yeah. If Bitcoin and Ether are the only commodities, Coinbase a viable business. Can you just can you just say, you know what, forget about all the rest of it. We're just going to trade Bitcoin and Ether. That's the business. Well, first of all, I, I think that would be a pretty extreme position. And that's not what the rest of the world, including Europe and the UK and Singapore and Hong Kong have done. So let's put that aside for a minute. I, I don't think that's, that's actually, I don't think that's what the law says either. But um, so Bitcoin and Ethereum are the, ma the majority of our revenue today um, in the trading world, right? Now, we also make quite a bit of revenue. Almost 50% of our revenue is from non-trading fees, right? Um, and then we also have revenue outside of the United States, right? So um, I guess even in that scenario, yes, it, it's, we're a viable business and there's lots of things, but I also think that's just not what's going to happen because that's not that's not what where Congress is headed. That's not what the courts will decide. You are unusual among other crypto exchanges in that eighty four percent of your revenue is in the United States, and most of the rest of them either are not in the United States or say they are not in the United States. Um, is there some universe in which Coinbase also and Bittrex did this? They when they were sued by the SEC said, you know what, we're going to give up the U.S. and go to the rest of the world. Is there some universe in which Coinbase gives up on the U.S.? No, I mean, we're, we're here to stay. We, I, I created this company in the United States because I believe it's a big market, but there's also, there's rule of law, <laughs> you know, and there's a willingness to generally do the right thing, even if it takes a few iterations. So, And when you're having private communications with $9 trillion asset managers like BlackRock, Gonzo, that's going to add to your confidence regardless of what Gary Gensler has to say. So what do you think? At the end of the day, let's skip to the end, 2027 here. Where is the United States in this whole game? Do we have regulated ETFs and is Gary Gensler out of the picture? Or are we in a situation where they roll out, let's say, a CBDC and tell us everything else is inadequate? Um, well, definitely Gary Gensler is gone because his time would have expired. We're going to have a new president and all that stuff. But yeah, it's funny, you know, Brian Armstrong, again, I go back to like all these guys, like when you see them, they were all there at the beginning, right? They were all key developers on Bitcoin and they all kind of made millions of dollars and they branched off to their old thing. He's absolutely not leaving the U.S. because like it's all a show, dude. At the end of the day, it's all a show. Coinbase is going to be the regulated um, exchange of the U.S., right? And then it's going to expand out from there, right? Because we're probably going to end up being the most regulated. You're going to have like, because Europe's got Mika, you got Hong Kong now that's trying to pull these companies, but Coinbase isn't going anywhere, right? Because they're going to be, it's just going to be like Ripple, right? Ripple will be the one that has the clarity that it needs because it fought the SEC. Coinbase is going to be the exact same thing. It's absolutely not going anywhere. It's going to stay here and then it's going to expand out into the world is what's going to end up doing. That's right. And you absolutely, and we absolutely need it. The crypto industry needs a champion. Whether you love or hate Coinbase, love or hate Brian Armstrong, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think. The reality is the industry is always going to have a champion that leads it and pushes it forward. In this case, Coinbase and Brian Armstrong have been the chosen ones, and that's going to happen. So, you know, I would not focus a lot of time worrying about that. I would focus on the fact that you have somebody trying to push and keep crypto alive and going forward. And to me, you know, I, whether you want to invest in Coinbase, that's a whole other thing. That's on you if you want. For me, I want to see the cryptocurrency uh, market evolve and adopt here in the U.S. And it's, it has to start somewhere. And it, it's, it certainly feels like Coinbase is the chosen one for where it's going to start. Jenna, I'd like to hear your thoughts as well. We often talk about how America is going to have a massive effect on the market, but Bitcoin ETFs can be approved all over the world. If we saw them approved in Hong Kong and Singapore and the U.S. decided to lag behind, 
I don't think that would really affect the market too much in the long run. I do think in the short term, it would probably hurt the market, but eventually America is going to play catch up. What do you think? Is this American Bitcoin ETF application as big of a deal as everyone's making it out to be? I mean, it, it is a big deal because we need to know what the rules are and everything and applying and we need to have clarity for that too. But as far as everywhere, no. But I think that, you know, all of these steps need to be placed because once, you know, the BlackRock ETF is approved, then we're going to have all of these other ones that know what to do and get approved as well. And just, you know, keeps the dominoes, you know, domino effect after that. So, you know, baby steps, but um yeah, I, I think I'm more concerned about the the United States regulating us as, you know, peer to peer transactions, making that legal. And um, if we're going to have to KYC places. So all of those things are really on my mind and factors into adoption. Hey, Abs, you know, I don't know if you caught that. There's something he said in it that was very important. Did you hear what, what Armstrong said when they asked him, you know, how are you going to survive if if only ETH and Bitcoin? are considered secure uh, commodities and everything else security. I think he said 50% of their income doesn't even come from exchanges or trading. Okay. That is huge. Let me tell you why that's huge. Because when you look at Amazon's business, everybody thinks all their money comes from, most of the people think that the money comes from the store. Okay. The bookstore. It doesn't. Go look at Amazon's revenue sheet. Majority of their money comes from AWS and data and big sale. Okay. Now, if you go look at Bitcoin, not Bitcoin, sorry, Coinbase. You know, obviously some of the money comes from transactions, but they also make money from two other areas right now that I can find. And that was just a real quick search. I'm sure there's more, but they get it from sales, from interest made on money that they loan out. Okay, so interest on loans. They're making loans, so i.e. a bank. And they make money on selling software. So don't be surprised if 10, 15 years from now, Coinbase is the next Amazon from the perspective of, you know, not only being just an exchange or the front looks like an exchange, but in the back, they're selling software tools, they're selling data, they're selling loans, interest. Coinbase is prime. Almost feels like they are the next Amazon to be if I had a place to bet. So very, very interesting. I think Johnny's spot on in that. I think that as regulation comes into these exchanges, that's what you're going to see. Those other ones are going to fall off because they're going to take away, right? A lot of what, what what made these exchanges so powerful and they made billions of dollars was the derivatives market, right? Which we can't do in the U.S. I think as regulation comes in, that's going to fall off and they're going to have to make money a different way. And it's not in trading, right? It's not in trading freeze or spot trading or whatever. You can see to be competitive ever since Robinhood came out with free trading, the rest of them have fallen in line. But Johnny spot on that. It's in the software and the data, right? That's where they're going to make their money. As they get regulated, the ones that are left, that's what they're going to deal in because that's where the money's at. Very, very interesting. And when we talk about spot trading becoming a main part of this market, Ripple is going to play an effect here. And guys, Ripple has already secured its position at the very center of the new financial system. And this video is breaking it down. We are really in this massive global competition all over the world for the future of our financial infrastructure. I believe that much of that is going to come from disruptive financial technologies uh, like crypto, like fintech, uh, and the country that captures the talent that's building out these really fascinating financial rails 
um, is going to find themselves in the next three to five years very much at the at the center of the global of our global financial uh, infrastructure. I'm really pleased that attention is now focused on the role that cryptos can play. There are some cryptos that are working with regulators and are working with banks. I agree. Ripple right. would be an example. Ripple would be an example, right. Now, this is a, and and I, I can imagine in the next five years, instead of us doing sterling against the dollar or sterling against yen and doing these types of transactions, we'll do sterling versus Ripple. And the reason being, dollar right now is a two-day settlement. With something like Ripple, you could do settlement in seconds. I mean, I agree, Johnny. I think there's definitely some personal bias on that take, saying that they're going to connect it to XRP and Ripple in particular. Sounds like an XRP holder. I'm an advocate, would love it, but what does it mean to you? Well, so more importantly, so certainly that is a possibility and that's kind of the, the but it wouldn't be just, you know, it would be, it would be XRP being able to do that for everybody if that were the case, if they were going to go that path. But the lady that you first played in the video actually described to you exactly what was going on there and how, how this whole thing is going to play out. So I think from that perspective, Abs, that certainly you're going to see the, the rails are, are being put in place as we speak. And the question is, you know, how how do we how do we know which ones are going to be? Well, you don't. And that's why you're kind of placing bets to make sure you're putting them in place. But you certainly will see at some point these rails becoming the, the, the center of the new uh, background of the functional system that's going to allow settlement to happen instantly. And then it doesn't matter what you use. Well, it's the dollar, the sterling, the one. It, it won't matter. The whole that's the whole purpose of it is to get it operational on the system where it can have instant transactions, like you said, rather than two days. It's not just a dollar that takes two days. Try to do anything in sterling or in yen, it's still two day settlement because that's the bank to bank system right now. And the ripple system will, will or XRP system replaces that. So you speed that process up from days to seconds, and any currency can run on at that point. Gonzo and Jenna, I'd like to get some of your thoughts as well. We are showing an illustration of R3 and Corda and how that system may work, incorporating smart contracts, bonds, stocks, and everything else while using some of our favorite currencies. And it may be a little difficult to see. This is XRP. This is Algorand. Here's XTC and here's XLM. Ethereum is obviously rooted at the bottom of this infrastructure. Something else is very important to know about R3. R3 was created by the 40 largest banks on the planet. But in 2019, one of those banks exited. Can anybody guess what bank that was? That would be JP Morgan. JP Morgan exited the R3 consortium and went on to start their own product called Onyx, which is a coin or a token built on top of Ethereum, built for on-demand liquidity and transfers between banks. What do I think happened here, Gonzo? They entered the think tank, they took their notes down, and they bounced to create their own product. But I'd like to hear some of your thoughts. What's it mean to you? Yeah, I think you're spot on, Abs. Like that's exactly what happened. They came in and they saw an opportunity. They saw where the technology was going and they need to figure out how they're going to continue to evolve and make money. And they saw like, well, why would we join this group when we can build this on our own? And that's what they, they went to go do, right? And, and like I said, uh, I said this at the beginning of the show, I think you're going to have different blockchains that do different things. There's going to be a payment rail kind of money rail. There's going to be a gaming and NFT rail. There's going to be one for like governments and that have kind of like your medical records and your marriage license and like, um, you know, your DMB and your registration. There, there, there's going to be different ones, right? And they're going to be very specific to, to what they're doing. Um, and so that's why we always talk about like being diversified. Don't fall into these narratives because we're still early. And at the end of the day, 
we don't know which ones you're going to win. You know, we can assume that the best technology is going to win the fastest, the most scalable, but sometimes that's not the case, whether that's because first mover advantage, whether it's because there's nefarious things going on or deals going on in the background or regulation that comes in and kind of hinders one and not the other. Right. And so that's why I think that, you know, don't fall into narratives, have these multiple bets, do your research, and then we're going to see how it plays out. Johnny Crypto, on the 4th of July, let's get a little freedom talk going. How does it feel to be an American, my friend? You're looking more American than ever to close out the show. <laughs> Nothing like apple pie and boats and jet skis, baby. I'm looking forward to it. You know, wish everybody a, a happy holiday out there. Hope you get to spend time with a love, loved ones. That's what's important, Ab. Just make sure, you know, be thankful, give praise, take some time to relax and have a good time. We all work very hard. And now today, today's a day to just be joyful and to spend it with your, your friends and family and have a good time, baby. So with that said, uh, I just want to wish you all a happy, happy 4th of July. Thank you so much, guys. And with that being said, we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do. I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners for being here. A little bit of an unorthodox episode, but we got it done this morning. We got 261 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here on this Tuesday. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the fire. Let's go. Love you guys. Bye.